Hello and welcome back to another episode of LMS Cast. Today I'm joined with a special guest, Mike Morrison, one half of the membership guys, or is it the membership site guys? The membership guys. Membership, the membership guys, and also a podcast by the same name. And I've been following Mike over at Lifter LMS for quite a while. Uh, and his podcast is on my short list because it's one of the ways that I keep my finger on the pulse of what's going on in the membership site industry. I was just thinking the other day, you were, I was listening to a podcast that Mike was doing over at the Membership Guys podcast about Amazon payments and things that were changing over there. And uh, there's just no better way. Like Mike saves me tons of time and all the research he's doing. And I can tell, um, uh, you know, when I'm going on my hikes or my bike rides, he's just on my short list. You, did a, you had a great one with somebody who was helping people launch virtual summits. Mm. And I had noticed that was an emerging trend and Mike did kind of a deep dive on that topic. So I would highly encourage those of you listening to check out the Membership Guys podcast and the membershipguys.com. The other half of that is Cali Willows and and they have basically a membership site for membership creators. So it's a little meta, just like we have some courses about creating courses uh, for, you know, more different for selling software or whatever, but we're kind of both in that meta category of teaching about what, you know, teaching about a specialty that, you know, the teaching is the specialty. So it's, it's just really interesting, but Mike, thank you for coming on the show and can you kick this off and help just cut through like a laser what is the difference between an online course, a membership site, and a learning management system from your perspective? All right. Well, thanks for having me on the show, first and foremost. It's awesome to be on. I love what you guys are doing over at Lifter. Now, you want that cutting through and getting that bit of clarity. I'm worried that this is just going to muddy the waters <laughs> a little bit more. Um, because a lot of it, especially between a course and a membership, it's semantics. It's technicalities. Technically, a membership site is just a website that you have to log into in order to access something that otherwise is protected. So, you know, in a pure bare bones uh, definition, that's what it is. The way that you and I and, and your listeners and pretty much anyone talking about memberships in an online context know them as usually it's a combination of e learning and community, some sort of premium content that you paid in order to do to access so a course still kind of fits into that but you do typically find a course is usually more of a finished product than a membership a membership is something which will be ever evolving so the expectation is that there'll be new content or that will be value delivered in terms of community interactions or you know something that you are getting month to month in exchange for a regular payment whereas a course is usually one-off payment what you buy is what you get it's all tied up nicely in a bow polished but there's no expectation that you're suddenly going to get lots more bonus content and all that sort of stuff with a membership it's always about that ongoing value if you want somebody to pay you on an ongoing basis with a membership you need to deliver value on an ongoing basis so that really changes the way you need to approach it from a strategy point of view how you operate and run it because that makes a a membership much more of a marathon than a sprint whereas with a course you might spend months and months and months creating this perfect final product 
And then it's all about the launch. It's all about selling. And you're not really going to change too much after the launch. With a membership, when you get that initial sale, then the work starts. Then you've got to get members. Then you've got to keep those members. And you're going to keep them for months and years to come. And that means content. That means access to you and the community. That means maybe a little bit of coaching. And uh, yeah, that turns it into much more of a a long-term business. An LMS... I would say kind of almost sits outside of that conversation. It's it's the vehicle, it's the tool that makes the delivery of the content part of your membership better or more optimized. So, you know, you don't just want to dump people into this big repository of content and leave them to it. You're going to want to have some structure. Maybe you're going to want to control the pathway somebody takes through that content. That's where having an LMS and being able to really fine-tune the member experience so people don't get overwhelmed, so people are kept on track, so people are actually getting a result. That's where, you know, using great tools like Literal and Mess come into it uh, because they let you create the, the best kind of learning experience, whether it's a course or a membership site, as you possibly can, and a one that best serves uh, your member or your student. That is very well said. I appreciate that. I can tell you've been looking at this topic for a long time. <laughs> I blacked out for a moment there, so I have no idea whether that's any good or... <laughs> no, that's very good. I'm probably going to transcribe that and use that later myself in a blog Do post, it. so thank Do you. <laughs> um, let me guide the laser a little bit and go to a, a really targeted question at the intersection of courses and memberships. Uh, with Lister LMS, we have a membership functionality which is designed to sell courses, course bundles, like multiple courses at once. So you could basically buy a course a la carte or you could get the gold membership or whatever you call it that has two, four, a hundred courses in it. But the other purpose of a membership in Lifter LMS world is to uh, create a package or a vehicle to sell the course plus something else. That could be access to a community, could be access to the whoever the um, leader is, it could be access to an event. Like what are some just spitball brainstorm ideas? What kind of components could people add to a membership that included a course that's kind of outside of the course but adds a lot of value and potentially adds the ability to really charge that recurring revenue? That's a great question because I think one of the biggest mistakes we see people make with memberships is getting too tied up in the content. It's not just about the content. People will join a membership for the content, but they'll stay for things like the community. And so, you know, that ongoing value we talk about, you don't just want to be giving people course after course after course. Uh, Maybe you've got a membership where it's not necessarily a course, perhaps it's uh, downloadable checklists. Again, you don't just want to make it so every single week there's more stuff. A membership typically comprises the three C's. You have content, you have coaching, you have community. That coaching can be direct, hands-on, actual one-on-one group coaching, or just coaching by means of an online forum or a community or something like that. The content side of things, that's also where you get a bit creative. You know, again, people think content, they think it's got to be long-form videos or educational videos. It's got to be guides. Things like worksheets, things like checklists, things like processes that you could import into, um, you know, all these different project management systems, things like downloadable, editable files, like if you've got a design um, membership or something like that, these kind of resources that are real practical, they deliver far more value in a lot of cases than a typical traditional educational course would be. And 
uh, again, I, I, I tend to try and steer people to thinking not about content, but instead of thinking about deliverables. Because content has too many connotations of, like I say, it's video, it's text, it's, it's imagery, it's audio. Think about deliverables. What can you deliver to your members? Typical content might be that. There might also be things like live Q&As. Uh, it might also be things like perks and discounts. So you can go out there and hustle on behalf of your members for exclusive discounts on stuff they're already paying for. I mean, if you think about that, if, you can, if you're charging $50 a month for a membership, but you can score member-only discounts, that could potentially save somebody more than $50. It then becomes kind of revenue neutral for them or cost neutral for them. And that becomes a no-brainer. So even if they're not getting any value from the course of the, the community, they still have a reason to stick around because you've gone out there and you've got discounts. Get a good balance across different types of deliverables. Really understand that not everyone's going to join for your courses. Not everyone's going to use your community. Not everyone's going to you know, take up your member perks or discounts or download your files. Different people are drawn to you for different reasons and there'll be different things that make them stay. So getting that balance and varying the kind of content you're offering in your community, I think is key to reaching as much of your audience as possible. That's awesome. And can you just lay out the three C's again? Content, coaching, community. Cool. And for those of you listening, uh, we've recently released um, private areas for Lift LMS, which is which helps you set up that is coaching a, that is a killer feature by the way like we we test all the plugins on the market all the systems on the market private areas for students is an absolute gold star kind of feature like that's it's ridiculous like you guys don't know how lucky you are getting this stuff that is that's <laughs> i'm not being paid for this by the way that seriously that is an awesome feature and that as a membership owner or a course instructor that lets you deliver value on a level potentially that your competitors are just not going to be able to match. Well, let's go, let's go a little bit deeper into that issue of, um, I kind of want to frame it in in a couple different ways. One way is that, um, we talk a lot about the dirty little secret of membership sites, which is like a lack of engagement. People don't finish it. They churn out really quickly. Uh, they may get have all this lackluster around a launch and then it just kind of peters out. But so basically we like to literal LMS, if you could sum it up in one word, it would be engagement. And that is all about, I mean, the internet marketing and the sales is important. And we're not saying that's not important. You still have to do all that stuff, but it, we we want to focus our value much more on the results. As long as a student or the member is getting great results, that's what matters the most. It's not necessarily the conversion optimized course sales page or membership sales page, which is also important. So there's that aspect of like elevating the conversation in our community of, you know, as we guide the conversation around memberships and courses and learning management system to, it's not just about sales. That's actually a small percentage of it. There's a lot of other things that are important, but uh, what do you see as, uh, in terms of coaching, um, it's a little bit counterintuitive because we're often learned in more of a pop culture online business sense, let's say something like the four hour work week, um, and a lot of sites that are out about affiliate marketing or passive income and these types of things that 
we want to automate everything. Mm -hmm. But coaching is like against that. I mean, and the way I say it simply, which these aren't my original words, is that it's important to do some things that don't scale. So if you're coaching, maybe you have a cheap course, but the course plus the private coaching, that's really valuable. But it also is going to require the site owner to invest their time or build a coaching team or whatever. But how do you, when you talk about advising people on adding coaching or not, like how do you frame in the conversation and the opportunity? Yeah, well, there's a few things there. Um, First, nobody works a four-hour work week, not even the guy who wrote four-hour work week. So this this is a mentality people need to put aside. And if you're looking for passive income, Again, passive income is very rarely actually passive. So anybody who has got visions of kicking back in a beach somewhere, sipping cocktails in a hammock as the money rolls in, you need to go bark up another tree because memberships, online courses, and this world is not for you. So that is important, and I'm so glad that, that we kind of preface it with that, and especially as we talk about engagement and retention being more important than sales. But it is a very good point about managing your your workload. You know, the best thing and the thing that I love about memberships is you get to set the pace. You get to set the rules. If you're listening to this thinking, there's absolutely no way I have room in my business or my life to give one-on-one attention or give any form of coaching, good news is you don't need to. Like there is, it, it's not like there's 10 um, elements of a successful membership that you absolutely have to have in place. And if you you don't, it won't be successful. You get to build your business on your terms. As long as you're um, accurately representing what your membership offers on the front end, then that's fine. As long as you're not telling people they get direct coaching or direct access and they're not delivering it, it's fine. You don't have to do it if it's if it's not something that fits. But in this world of increased automation that has ramped up over the past couple of years. Now you've got Facebook bots and you've got all this sort of stuff. A little bit of a personal touch, even just a tiny little bit, goes a very, very long way. Coaching doesn't have to be one-on-one. It doesn't have to be, here's an hour of my time every week. It can literally just be once a month, you, a business partner, a VA who perhaps reviews everything and sends you the cliff notes, goes through the progress people have made, and just pops a little note on congratulating them and giving them a suggestion. We've seen that you've powered through this module. This is what I recommend you check out next or something like that. Just something that's a little bit of personal intervention. It doesn't take much. The more automation comes in, the, the less you almost need to do in the personal touch to actually stand out. We recently started sending personal welcome videos to all of our members and it takes us maybe five minutes per video. What do, you, what do you put in those? I'm just um, it's literally, I can give you the script right now. Do you want the script right now? <laughs> if they haven't introduced themselves on our forum, typically the script is, hey guys, Mike here from Member Site Academy. Just want to reach out to you personally to thank you for joining the Academy and to welcome you on behalf of the whole team into the community. When you get a moment, pop over to our forum by clicking the link beneath this video and introduce yourself. Let us know a little bit about you, about your membership, and if there's anything myself or any other team can help out with, don't hesitate to ask. We look forward to having you around. I'll see you on the inside. That's it. But we've mentioned them by name. If there's something that they, if they've introduced themselves into our forum, I'll read that introduction post. I'll look at where they're from. I'll look at what their business is. I'll maybe check their website. I'll just get a little tidbit of info about them 
enough for me to be able to genuinely kind of say, um, again, there was a, a guy joined who was um, he's from Texas. He wasn't affected by Hurricane Harvey. He was kind of out of the way of it. But timing-wise, kind of, listen, I hope you and yours are, are safe with all this crazy, um, you know, all the all this crazy stuff around the hurricane. Like, just that doesn't take a huge amount of effort and you you know you batch this stuff so it's up to you to decide how much intervention you want um on a coaching front if you want to do traditional coaching you can do a small group coaching you could have a private section in a forum where you know we use a forum software called ip board that allows you to have a a forum section in which only the person who started the topic as well as you and any other admins can see that conversation. It's a great private channel for giving coaching in the same way as private areas through Lifter will let you do the same kind of thing. It doesn't have to be taxing. You get to kind of set the boundaries. And as long as you communicate that and you manage that appropriately, then you can fit it into your, your work and your life. But as you said there, Chris, you can't be scared to do things that don't scale. Um, you know, would yeah. you rather have, would you rather have, a couple of hundred long-term committed members or a thousand people come through your door where they all disappear because you're not engaging them. Yeah, that's a really great, really great point. And uh, just let my technical geek out brain is going off. So if we could, <laughs> if I could ask a few questions there, um, Go for it. does IP board, does your IP board require a separate login from your membership site? Typically it does, but there is a bridging plugin available. Uh, we used to have our own that we built and then IP board in the typical way that um, some software developers do. They totally pulled the rug out and changed their whole API. Uh, it is better now, but it did mean that overnight the bridge plugin between WordPress and IP board broke. But there is a far more robust uh, single sign on plugin available now. Uh, it costs like 80 bucks. Um, and yeah, it just means that all logins get pushed through WordPress. And the yeah, the login just gets synchronized into IP board. That's awesome. And why did you use IP board instead of like a native it's WordPress? It's sexy as hell. Okay. It's like <laughs> yeah. it is very, very cool. Like the problem, you know, I love WordPress, but obviously the more you take WordPress away from just being WordPress, the more it sometimes starts to buckle under the weight of that. And, you know, while you're using something like a membership plugin with an LMS, with a few extra bells and whistles, it's fine. But when you throw in buddy press and BB press on top of it, and then you've got, and then you've got, and then you've, and it's just, <laughs> yeah. it just starts to groan, especially, you know, if somebody's listened to, you know, a internet marketing podcast and they've heard someone say that, you know, Bluehost is the best web host in the world. And so they're building these mammoth resource hungry <laughs> websites on this, you know, Two buck ninety nine a month shared hosting over sold server, it starts to fall apart. It so that that kind of resource management was a part of it, but also you know, WordPress wasn't designed as, as a discussion forum. So BB Press is great for what it is, but it's limited. Um, with IP Board, you have um, you know you can have private groups, you can have reactions, you have status updates. Um, you have all these really, you know, cool stuff, things like that, private, you know, the the private forum permissions that we talked about there. It's very, very cool and it looks great and it's 
mobile friendly out of the box and all that sort of stuff. So yeah, it's it's kind of worth it if the community is going to be a real big part of what you're doing to do that little bit more wrestling to get everything to to work. Um, but once it's in place, it's it's seamless. You know, most people don't actually realize it's two different pieces of software. Oh, that's very cool. I ha- I, ha- I have seen a lot of uh, ghost town forums that it just mm-hmm. didn't take off. So what do you what do you see in your experience that makes a successful forum or not? Or like what variables are present that indicate that a forum might be a good idea? Yeah, I think um, first and foremost, it starts with you. You know, most of the ghost town forums, they don't even have the forum founder showing up. And in a lot of cases, the reason they become a ghost town was because the person who set it up didn't show up. You need to show up in your own community because if you don't want to come in and post and reply, nobody else is going to. I think sometimes, you know, some of that is this idea and I think it was popularized by um, the, the book Influence. This idea that you have to put this big gulf of distance between you and your customers or your fans if you want to position yourself as an authority. And so you'd have situations where people will build a membership or a community with them as the expert, as the figurehead, but they would see it as good strategy to never be around in order to make people think that when they did descend from upon high, it was a special day. And it just doesn't work like that. Like people expect accessibility now. So um, showing up in your own community and actually taking part, not overthinking and overdoing it in terms of the number of forum sections. Like if you're just starting out, you don't need 20 or 30 subsections in your forum. You need five or six at the very most. Um, And you can start small and expand it as time goes on. Um, You also need to think about your audience and whether they're ever actually likely to use a forum. I hate Facebook groups for paid Memberships, I love free Facebook groups. I hate them for paid memberships for a variety of reasons, but some markets will never engage in any social group that isn't a a Facebook group. So in some cases, you have to, you know, you have to bite the bullet and go with that. If you've got a membership that targets busy working mums or busy working dads, then it might be that you'll never get them out of something like a Facebook group. You might need that convenience from a Facebook group. Um, I would also say you need to not treat your community as something that is separate as one of five sections in your, your membership. You need to find ways to thread it into everything you do. So for every course you set up on your, your main kind of content portal for your membership, have a link to a discussion area it may be a discussion topic or maybe a whole section of your forum so that accompanying every single uh, every single lesson of a course, there is a, a call to action. If you have any questions you want to discuss this, click here and it takes them into the community. Maybe do some things if you're bringing in guest experts to do uh, workshops or live training for your members. Allow members to submit questions in advance, but only allow it through your community maybe even bringing guest experts to do kind of a reddit ask me anything style session that only takes place in your community so finding ways to make that community an integral part of the member experience um working it into your onboarding making sure that the first four or five things you ask people to do include set up your forum profile introduce yourself start a coaching log or journal or something that locks people in and then finally don't ignore or don't overlook the attraction and the, the, the benefit of having non 
topic discussions. So much easier if you've got, especially if you've got like a business membership, it's so much easier for someone to weigh in with their opinions on the latest episode of Game of Thrones than it is for them to weigh in their opinions on what they think the Bitcoin market is going to do or something like that. You know, have that low hanging fruit, easy content. What was the last film you saw? What book are you reading right now? Uh, when was the last time you bought a, a, a CD? Um, that sort of stuff. That can just get people to break the ice and get all that hurdle of actually making a post. And then finally, sorry, this is going on a little bit, but I want to get this in here as well. Level your expectations because we talked about engagement typically being lower than you might think for memberships. With a community, you have this rule of thumb rule. It's called the, the 10% rule, which is where only 10% of your members on average will actually participate in a community. 1% will be power users. These will be the guys who show up every day, multiple times a day. They start conversations. That's 1%. 9% will be people who maybe show up a few times a week. They don't ever really start conversations, but they'll reply. The rest either don't show up or, and don't overlook these guys, they show up, they consume, they get value, but they never post and you would never know that they're there. So just have the right sort of expectations uh, about the sort of, uh, the, the sort of engagement and activity you're going to get. If you've got a hundred members, you may be only going to get nine or 10 people actually posting and that's fairly standard. Uh, but you know, there'll be a whole bunch of people who are still showing up and logging in and reading and getting value. They're just not speaking up. That's awesome. Well, let's, Let's do a brain dump a little bit because we're, we're kind of, kind of transition from coaching to community. Um, just to throw some brainstorm ideas out there. I'll lay out a few and then hand it over to you, but you can do a Facebook group at Lifter. We're working on our own social learning community add-ons to keep cool. so that right on the site. Nice. Um, you could have a, if your users are pretty tact, technical, you could ha- use forums or even more technical like a Slack community. Mm-hmm. Um, you could do some kind of virtual or in-person live events. But what, what are some yeah. other community ideas that people could add to their, their membership? Uh, I think you've kind of covered a, <laughs> the majority yeah. of them. I think live events are the ones that get overlooked. What most. is that? When people do do live events, like what do you, what do you advise? Is it like an annual thing? Is it like a weekly? I think, <laughs> yeah, I think, um, you know, I, I think, Informal stuff as a as a jumping off point can work really well. It kind of depends on you and your your day to day operations. You know, if you're someone who travels to a lot of different events, then you should get into the habit of looking for opportunities to organize an event on the back of traveling around. So, um, you know, we do this. Uh, we 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 did a member meetup for our community in uh, was it March I think back in San Diego. We then did a workshop in San Diego as well the next day, uh, which we charged for. Were um, you uh, were you piggybacking on an existing event? Uh, social media marketing world? Oh, okay, yeah. so you you uh, piggybacked there, which is common. Like you see it, like uh, absolutely, and you yeah. know people are going to be in town. Find out in your community. We're going to be um, there's a there's an event coming up in the UK, headed up by Chris Ducker from Upreneur.com in November. I'm speaking at that event, but as soon as the date was down in our community, the post goes up. Who's going to be at Upreneur? Here's the details. Let us know. We'll organize a member meetup. And once we started to get a read on how many people were coming down, then 
we advertised a mastermind day that we're going to do a private. Is that in addition to the member meetup? In addition to the member meetup. So the member meetup free, all of our members can come along. And I think we're going to end up with maybe 20 or 30 people there. Um, Next day, we've got a six person private mastermind that people have paid for that we give first dibs on that to our members and they got a discounted um, a discount rate than the, the public did when we opened it up to the public. So again, you know, just find ways of, of tying in the online, the offline. If you can piggyback on other events, it lessens the, the travel workload for you because if you're going to conferences and stuff like that anyway, but it also increases the chance that you will have people around. Sometimes... Sometimes there's not. I was at podcast movement um, in again in LA. It was in Anaheim uh, just a couple of weeks ago, and we had members in town, but most of the members were speaking at the event, and there were million and one things going on. So we didn't bother doing a meetup. But I still went out my way to go to see those guys who were members to get a picture, to tweet that kind of stuff. So don't discount the offline side of things. Um, if you're not someone who's traveling around and going to different conferences and events and stuff first look into whether that's something you should be doing but you know you might then look to organize more official kind of events you know maybe you do a retreat or maybe you know you do a uh, an all singing all dancing live event where you're looking at you know hundreds of people and a few speakers and stuff like that but if you can start small just little gatherings like my favorite member meter was chicago just going and grabbing deep dish pizza for literally the first time um, with a bunch of our members. And they, they, they got their most out of it. I mean, they, they bought my pizza, but they got their money worth because they grilled me for like four <laughs> hours, um, which is how long it took me to shovel my way through. <laughs> Those pizzas are big, man. Um, but yeah, they, they grilled me for four hours on everything membership related. But, you know, they loved it. It was all over social media, which creates social proof, which creates the whole formal thing, as much as I hate that term, for people who aren't members. It creates excitement amongst people who are members who weren't able to come for the next time you're in town. That's, you know, that is what takes just your community from being just another place someone hangs out online to something people are part of. That is very cool. And just to get like super detailed, what are some ideas for a member meetup? You could do a meal. You could do like drinks. Like what else yeah. could you do? Um, yeah, I think you meal, could meet at a co-working you space. Could, yeah, you can do a co-working space. Um, there's, uh, I don't you come across the guy's podcast websites.com. It's um, a good friend of mine, Mark Asketh. He was, uh, he might be the episode or two before you. Ah, awesome. I love Mark. Mark's, <laughs> yeah. Mark's very, very cool. Uh, they just did a big member meetup at podcast movement in Anaheim because naturally it's a podcasting event. They, they, you know, that's their crowd. Um, and they went bowling. So they had like 70 or 80 people and they, they'd hired out half of a, a bowling, uh, alley in, uh, in Anaheim and they got some drinks, they got food, they had it catered and yeah, everyone had a, had a good time. And again, that's what people were talking about. For days after, it was, I think it was the night before the event kicked off as well. So again, people were fresh, just feeling good that yeah, yeah, they were fresh. They were feeling good that they were meeting up uh, other people for for the first time. And of course, the whole podcast website's brand was was elevated from it because everyone went home 
with t-shirts and with podcast website fidget spinners and all that so literally sitting with three or four (laughs) around me on my desk to show you how well it works but uh yeah that sort of stuff you're probably not going to if it's in the early days of your membership again it might be um too much you know in terms of expense in terms of size but just kind of think of something fun to do don't make it too official don't make it too you know make it something you would want to go to you know, uh, another thing I would say as well on the community side of things, and this possibly ties in, this isn't going to be possible for everyone, but if you can come up with like a name that people in your community can refer to themselves as a collective label, some brands just don't fit. Like our, our membership is member site Academy. There's nothing cool or catchy you can derive from that. Like we keep trying to think of a name, but you have guys like Screw the Nine to Five, uh, Jill and Josh Stanton. Their members call themselves Scroopies. You have. Um, I was just on the Entrepreneur on Fire podcast, and they have the whole Fire Nation. Fire Nation, yeah, <laughs> yeah. that sort of thing. Give someone something they can identify by, and they will identify by it, and as a result, they'll feel more part of something. And then you can bring that into meetups and stuff like that. I think uh, the the Screw guys they do. Um, they they do their middle things that they do are like scroopy house parties. They literally just rent a Airbnb, get a whole lot of booze, and they get everyone together, and it works. That's awesome. I've seen people in the Lifter LMS Facebook group calling themselves lifters, and yeah. I didn't. I, awesome. they just, it just happens it. naturally sometimes. Love it. So, well, that's super cool. I, I feel like we could go on and on forever, <laughs> but uh, a few more things. Um, you and I are both podcasters and for me, uh, it's over time. It makes me a better presenter, interviewer, more comfortable on camera. You know, I slowly improve the technology I'm using and that kind of thing. Um, how, but I'm more like on the software side, but you have the member side Academy, which I would encourage, uh, or the membership, say the name of the membership. Member, membersiteacademy.com. Membersiteacademy.com. Um, and, you know, podcasting is a, is a part of what you do and you create so much great free content, which I really appreciate. When do you recommend podcasting as a uh, kind of a free content channel, a networking channel, a way to add value and build community? Like, how's it, how well has it worked for you? And who do you recommend try it? Or, or how, how would someone even run a test to see if yeah. they want to do the podcasting thing? I would do it from day one. Okay. Like we did. We did. You know, we, we ran uh, a digital how long, how long ago was day one for you? Uh, just over, t- oh no, actually two years and three months ago, okay. roughly. Um, 113 episodes ago. That's an easier one for me to remember <laughs> as of today. So um, yeah, we did it from, from day one. You know, we ran a digital agency for years before planting our flag and, and essentially embracing the whole of the membership guys brand. And so one second. Was your digital agency focused on membership sites? It was. It didn't start that way, and that's you know that's how we got into memberships. It, I just I just want to acknowledge a similar path yeah, yeah. for me. We I ran an agency, and it we built a lot of stuff, but then we got really into memberships and online course yeah. sites. So. That's exactly what happened with us. You, yeah. you know, gravitating towards the kind of stuff that we enjoyed the most, but also the stuff where we were seeing the best results for clients. You know, and that's yeah. part of why we why we enjoyed it, um, you know, on the strategy side, the marketing side, and, you know, doing the tech side as well, obviously, 
helps because it, it that can be a big differentiator you know if you can advise someone on a killer strategy and show them how to get their website to behave like it's awesome but yeah so when we when we um pivoted in terms of moving away from working with clients to um going broader and and putting out content and doing the podcast. The podcast was one of the first things we did. We started with a blog podcast and a YouTube channel. The YouTube channel never never quite found its its legs because it was the one that we were less um, less suited to, I think. You know, I've done a bit of it in that radio in the past. Uh, so I can sit behind a mic and I can just shoot off and, you know, create something that maybe a handful of people might want to listen to. So um, yeah, that, that, that was day one for us. I think even if you're not as comfortable behind a mic, push yourself to do a podcast because I think, especially if you're doing memberships, it creates better members because these people are coming in. Are you talking more, about a free podcast? Yeah. Not, not you, a members only. Podcast. Yes. Sorry. Yes. Yes. Yeah. So do a free podcast in terms of the content you're putting out to build that credibility, build that expertise. You know, most memberships are centered around some form of figurehead who is seen as an authority. And, you know, a podcast is a great way of building that authority and, and establishing that credibility. But more importantly than that, it establishes your voice and it gets that whole like, no trust factor in place because people get a sense of what you're about. They get your personality. You know, if somebody can't make it through two episodes of my podcast, they're not going to make it through the 30 plus courses we have in our academy. If you don't like my accent, if you can't understand what I'm saying, don't join my membership because you're going to hear it a lot. So it, it, it does a lot of those things that help um, almost pre-qualify or pre-frame the type of members you get, and it makes for longer-term members. We also found very early on that consistently from people who we didn't already have in our, in our audience, um, the podcast gave us a, a whole new dimension of uh, discoverability. We were getting a lot of people when, they, when the Academy doors first opened saying that they discovered us through the podcast and that they listened to the show, then they joined the, the membership. Other people, it was... You know, I joined your Facebook group and then I saw a blog and then um, you know, I, I, I came on this webinar, I did this challenge. A lot of other people, there was a lot of multi-touch marketing going on. Consistently, big chunk of people where they listened to the podcast and they went direct to the membership. Yeah. Interesting, interesting. And it's still, you know, it's, it's on so many different fronts as well, like in terms of um, just being an inroad to connecting with influencers. Uh, you know, we've had pretty much all the big names in 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 our space on the show like in terms of online marketing space um although it always does tickle me that some of the lesser named people they are the more downloaded ones than you know the big guns like heavy porterfield and jld and people like that um but you know we we broke the ice through the podcast some of those guys we were then able to go back to and kind of say well we had so much fun doing the podcast why don't you come in and do a a live workshop for our members <clears throat> for free. Um, so, you know, that kind of icebreaker and then going to conferences and events and having that already established in common. So many different fronts of podcasting benefit you on. And I think what you said before as well is key in terms of helping you become better at communicating, better at educating and tuning you in a little bit more to what's going on in your audience's head as well. Because, 
you know, the kind of feedback you get, the questions you get, that helps inform both free content and importantly, paid content for your membership as well. Awesome. Well, two lightning round final questions and then we'll, we'll wrap it up. Um, just it. curious, what in your podcasting, how often do you publish? Is it once, once a week? Once a week. Once a week. Yep. And you said something really interesting in the last thing that you said, which was conducting a workshop for your members. Mm-hmm. What is a workshop? Uh, just a webinar. Yeah, kind of a, a private member-only webinar. Um, you can do them live or what we what we started getting them to pre-record them. Okay. Like pre-recorded 30 to 45 minute, uh, essentially webinar, but not delivered to anyone live. Just a single video piece of content that is practical, that is, um, you know, easily applicable. It's not just high-level theory. So we've got uh, Chris Ducker to do a one on hiring VAs. We've got Mike Vardy from The Productivist to do a one on um, managing your time around your membership and how you actually juggle it all. 30 to 45 minutes, expert content, and that's one of our deliverables. You know, it's not a course. It doesn't, we could probably break it down into like 22 or three minute long lessons, but it's, yeah, basically just a webinar. And, uh, you know, I think with those, if you can get uh, guest experts to bring in as well, the difference in format as well as the difference in host marks it as something that is a distinctly different deliverable. And it helps if they're known names in your field because you can then stick them on your sales page and say, not only do you get all my awesome stuff, you're getting expert regular training from people like these guys. Beautiful, beautiful. Well, Mike Morrison, ladies and gentlemen, thank you for coming on the show. That's a, that was really a goldmine. And if you liked this episode, I would encourage you to go find Mike's podcast at the Membership Guys podcast. Just do a Google search and find it. And uh, yeah, every, like this conversation with you and, you know, the hundreds of other episodes is, is just a goldmine of, of good information that's really, you know, sharing experience out there in the world. It's uh, it's super good stuff if you're into this whole membership courses, coaching, community thing. So we appreciate your leadership in the space and uh, go to themembershipguys.com. Check out Callie, check out Mike and everything that they're up to. And uh, yeah, I just want to thank you so much for coming on the show and we'll definitely have to do this again sometime. I feel like we could do like a series. Yeah, man, my absolute pleasure. And yeah, Anytime you want me back on, give me a shout. Sounds great.